0: So later on tonight, after we are done, uh, we're, we're going to go back outside. Uh, we got some great other snacks for you guys, some different things for you guys tonight. And then we're, if, you're, if you want to, you come back in and we got a massive game tonight. And just a massive, and you, it involves lots of candy, I just want to say that. Okay, so you want to come back and play that before we go. Yeah, yeah, because you didn't get rid of the candy. Lucky you kept it, so we're going to do that. Um, so before, uh, before we move to that though, um, so every once in a while we have... We have um, one of the pastors, one of the elders of One Life, come in and share with us. So you guys can get to know them a bit, see who they are, so when you see them on a Sunday, knew who they are around. And this week, i the incredible pleasure of having Mr. Jeremy Little with us this week. Come on up, Jeremy. So, so what you guys don't know is, is, is God used Jeremy. It's basically Jeremy's fault that I'm here. Okay, Jeremy's fault that I'm here. So if you don't like me... It's- Complain to him, all right? Um, so Jeremy's one of the first guys. Jeremy and his family is one of the first guys we kind of went families connected with when we first started coming to One Life. We were actually planning on moving away, going to another city, and we met a guy like him. and hope this guy needs lots of help. I need to stay around. I need to stay around. <laughs> now I met this guy, and uh, just an incredible, incredible guy, incredible heart, love his heart and passion for Jesus. Uh, he's got a great family as well. His family, most of his family is here tonight. I think all the family, except for males, here tonight. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All his kids are here tonight as well. Um, but, uh, but Jeremy is incredible heart and passion for Jesus, incredibly tender towards things of Jesus. So we've asked him to share tonight. Uh, he's going to do that. I want you guys to listen attentively, engage, uh, and uh, hope you catch his heart for Jesus. Father, we want to pray for yeah. Jeremy tonight hmm. that you would um, use him to speak to us, to challenge us, to encourage us that the incredibly soft heart that it has towards you and the things of your presence, that we would catch that in our hearts tonight, that we would remain tender and soft towards everything about you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, man. Hey, before we do this, you know what we do sometimes, we have guests, right? How about give give them a Super Bowl celebration? Come on, one, two, three, go!
1: I don't I'm not sure I can follow up with that energy like first bud and now all of you guys like I don't know guys I, like I'm super super pumped to be here with you guys I've, I've jumped in a couple times throughout the last couple years and been able to hang out with you guys and it's been amazing. Uh, I was reading through uh, some of the scriptures this week, and I was reading through the letter to uh, Paul to the Thessalonians, and one of the things he says at the beginning of that letter is like, man, the stories of what's going on in your church and the faith that you have are, are being shared around the world, and, and I feel like that could be said of you guys today because of the, the passion for Jesus that I see, like the worship, the, the giving everything to the kingdom of God. There's just like such real faith that's represented and a uniqueness of what God is doing amongst you guys that, man, I'm so challenged by. I'm literally like talking to leaders in Canada and the UK, sharing about the things that God is doing here, and people around the world are being encouraged by the stories of faith that are happening here. The music that's coming out from here. Like, God is doing amazing things through you guys. Don't, don't sit back and be like, oh, yeah, you know, youth is okay. Like, there is a real unique thing that is happening amongst you guys that we are so encouraged by. And to see that not just here on Wednesdays, but actually spilling out into the whole church, particularly in the area of worship, you guys are affecting the life of our church. And so I'm so super encouraged by that to see what God's doing. And so, it, like, it's an honor to be with you guys And particularly, I think a lot of you guys in the last couple seasons of your life that God's been stirring your heart towards the kingdom, towards Jesus. There are things that are foundationally being built and things that are happening in your life right now that are going to go on for all of eternity or for the rest of your lives here in this earth. And you're going to think back and remember these foundational times in which Jesus transformed and changed your view of how you see your life for all of the rest of the time that you're here on earth. So, tonight, uh, I'm going to look at the topic of fear and faith, and we're going to look through uh, the life of Peter. And so like each one of us walk into this room having completely different experiences today, our unique fears that come up in our lives. How many of you guys have ever heard of pogonophobia? Anybody? We? Nobody. Okay. It's the fear of Beards. I don't think any of you guys have that. I hope none of you have that. How about this one? Uh, petronophobia. It's the fear of being tickled by a feather. That's a real thing. These are documented. This is real stuff, okay? Uh, this one, I, maybe some of y'all have. Chorophobia. Fear of clowns. Yeah. These are real things. These are real things. Like, they're humorous. Like, hopefully none of you are dealing with the beard thing. Probably some of you, the clowns. Like, I'm not trying to trivialize fear. Like, it is a real thing that some of us are dealing with. But each one of us comes today here with different things. Fear of people and what they think about us. Fears of what the future has, what's around the corner. Maybe some of us fear of death, fear of relationships or pain or hurt or social situations, Like there's real fears represented, things that that aren't just fears that are in the back of our mind, but fears that we actually look at life through, maybe fears that govern our thoughts and affect our choices and shape our lives negatively. And, And tonight, I believe that God is wanting to change the lenses that some of us are carrying around, that we're having on our faces, viewing the entire world through, changing these lenses of fear and giving us lenses of faith to be able to see situations through God's eyes, not just our own, through the lenses of faith that are, that are not affecting us negatively, where we're just making choices that are based on those fears, but making choices based on faith. So we're going to be in Where's the scripture? Because I didn't write it down. I wrote the things here. Oh, Matthew 14. All right. And so we're going to pick up in Matthew 14 here. And right before this story happens, uh, what happened just before this is when Jesus feeds the 5,000, he multiplies like two fish and two loaves and feeds all these people. So this amazing stuff just went down. It says this, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain to, uh, by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat, uh, but the boat by this time had gone a, a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answering him said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when the winds and the waves, when he saw the wind and the waves, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took a hold of him saying, "O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Like, just about every time I'm talking to somebody about like a TV show or a movie that I watch, I'm often talking about the character development in that story. I'm like drawn in by by what's going on with each character that's involved in the movie or the TV show. Because like when you see somebody that, you know, at their infancy when they started and you follow them through life, not just in a moment, but you follow them through their whole life and see where they are and how they got to be where they are. And the Bible does this with Peter. Like we see him all the way at the beginning where Jesus like calls him out when he's just a fisherman and said, like, I'm going to make you a fisher of people and, like, win souls for Jesus. And then all the way through to him being a father in the faith, planning churches and and, and seeing churches grow because of what he has done in his life. And and I love Peter because he's, like, this super zealous guy who, you know, sometimes puts his foot in his mouth. He's sometimes, like, a little too eager. One time Jesus actually says to him, get behind me, Satan, like, calls him Satan because he was so eager and in this story, Jesus sends Peter out on the boat with a few other guys, and when the storm kicks up, Jesus comes walking on the water. Like, I think we, we've heard this so much that we lose the impact of, like, Jesus actually walked on the water. That, like, this, this, that defies all physics, all logic, everything. It wasn't CGI. He actually walked on the water. And so after the guys pulled this whole, like, it's kind of a scooby-dooby scene, you know, where it's like, It's a go-go-go-go kind of situation. But Peter here, full of trust, belief, and faith, he says, God, if it's you, Jesus, if it's you, ask me to come out of the water. And Peter steps out of the boat, steps his foot on the water, and sees Jesus, but then looks around and sees the storms and the cloud, and he is distracted and begins to think, sink. And here's what the enemy loves to do is his goal is to fire these darts and spears at you of fear that take, make you take your eyes off to Jesus. The, the prophet Isaiah said it like this, you have forgotten the Lord and now you fear the oppressor. The enemy wants to shift your focus, change your range of sight off of Jesus and on to fear. And, and Peter is this guy who, who all throughout the scripture is struggled greatly with fear I mean, Jesus, on the night before he was going to be crucified, the night before he was going to die, Jesus looks at him and says, this very night before the rooster rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And Peter responds like, you know, a typical Peter response, and says, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And it says that he said this emphatically. And in less than 12 hours... Peter finds himself scared of telling a little girl about his faith and telling people that they even recognize him as a person. Terrified for his life, Peter lies and says he doesn't even know the man. And the rooster crows the second time, and he remembers the things that Jesus told him and he broke down and wept. Like, I mean, after all of the things that Peter saw, like all of the miracles, all of the teaching, like the words of eternal life that were were professed from Peter's mouth, like Peter had left everything to follow Jesus. And in that moment, it says like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know this Jesus you're speaking about because of this deep fear in his heart. It's like fear, like on a basic level, it's defined as this like unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something dangerous likely is likely to cause us pain or threat. And as a topic, like this is super extensive, like we could talk for weeks and weeks about it, but first we need to understand that part of fear is a good thing. Like if you have a fear of bears, you know, and you go camping wisdom will tell you, I'm going to put my food in the car and not in my tent tonight. That's just wisdom. Like, you don't have to have some crazy fear of bears. Like, that's just wisdom to do those things. And so today, like, I don't want to just talk about, like, my fear of snakes. Like, I have a legit fear of snakes. Like, a couple times a year, I have bad dreams about snakes. And my wife, who loves me so much, will just randomly, like, send me pictures of snakes sometimes. (laughs) I'm like, babe, like, are you serious? You know what this does to me. But if, do any of y'all have snakes as pets? Okay, we'll pray for you afterwards. (laughs) But I I don't want to talk about those things, but, but talk about the fears that we have that replaces truth and kills our faith. Like, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was eight years old, we are in a house that we lived at over in Meyerland, and it was, like, the middle of summertime, and it's the middle of the night, and I'm in my bed, and I have my covers over my head. Like, I can barely breathe. I'm sweating because I think that there's, like, a robber in my house. And this goes on for, like, weeks. Like, I remember it so vividly. Like, my heart is pounding. And then fast forward to like 15 years ago, like when our kids were babies, we were living in Canada, we were in this neighborhood that was like, there was always something going down, like fighting outside of our front door, people in the streets. Like one time these guys came with nunchucks, like I didn't know that people... (laughs) Like, actually, fought, they fought with nunchucks outside of our house. People threw beer bottles at our house, things like that. One night, we're woken up, and, like, one of our kids' little trikes, somebody picked it up and, like, threw it through our front window. It's just, like, total, start, like, your, your heart's pounding out of your chest in some of these moments where there's just just such fright, and you're scared about your safety in these types of situations. Or even, even presently, the anxieties that I have at times, the fear that I have at times that God's not going to provide in situations, or about fear about sharing my faith to those people that I work with or my coworkers or my neighbors and what like what are they gonna think about me or what are they gonna think about my family. Like the first two things are just like things I think about every once in a while, you know, like me being eight under the covers or, you know, our windows being busted out. Like, those are things I think about every now and then. But, but those things that represent fears that I have now are not just things that I think about every now and then, but things that actually affect how I speak. They affect what I do and what I don't do. They affect how I lead. And those fears are affecting my life negatively, So however far back you can remember, or even however close, we can all recall times and seasons of fear from things that just startled us or shook us up to those things that we live with that are affecting what we're doing and how we're going to live in the, fi- in the future. Like there's, there's these things that happen, even conversations that springboard fear into our lives. Like for you guys that are seniors, like what are you going to do next year? What college are you going to go to? What are you going to major in? You know, to these feelings of, like, inadequacy from others, like, am I enough? Like, do I do enough? Am I cool enough? Am I smart enough? Like, what about my health? What about death? Or even for some of us, Jesus asking us to do things and asking us to step out in faith, and we're just full of fear sometimes. I I remember one time, like, Melly and I, we, uh, we had just gotten married. We were married for a couple months, and we really felt the Lord calling us to move back to Australia, where we were from, and to help lead this discipleship training school where we were leading overseas outreaches to Malaysia, Indonesia, Solomon Islands, and things like that. And in that week that we felt like, all right, like, I think we're going to do this. We're going to step out in this. Like, we had like 50 bucks in our bank account. Like, we were like a poor newlywed couple. And we didn't tell anybody. We were just like, let's, let's just pray this week and just feel like, believe that God's going to confirm this before we like tell our family or our friends that this is what we're going to do. And two days later, I go to the mailbox, and I'm getting the mail as I typically do, and I pull out an envelope, and it's this real fat envelope. And I pull it out, and I open it, and it is $4,000 in cash. And it just has a scripture in there. No return address, and it just has a scripture about the Lord providing. You know, there's just such fear in situations when God is calling us to step out. But when we meet him there, when we say, okay, I'm going to step, I'm going to do this, I'm going to talk to this person, he meets us every time, time and time again. And he meets our fear with faith. And I think that's the hardest part of this story, you know, is that like Jesus knew what was going to happen he knew that they were going to go out of the boat. He knew that there was going to be winds and waves, and they're going to be scared about the storm. He knew he was going to walk on the water. He knew he was going to see them. But before that all went down, it says Jesus insisted. That's the word it uses in this text. Jesus insisted that they get on the boat and go out there. Like Chris Nagel said this a couple Sundays ago. like Jesus uses these setbacks as setups for him to grow us in faith. And that there are things that we're going to be presented with, particularly things that God is calling us to step out in, that are things that look like, man, this could produce fear in our hearts, but actually God is setting you up to build your faith, to show you who he is, to confirm with you in your heart who he has called you to be. Like, tell me if this sounds familiar. I mean, I feel like I'm just like Peter all the time, and I feel like we all are. You know, we're in a a worship service, maybe like this, like on a a Wednesday night, you know, it's their amazing worship. We're, we're like going for it. God's presence is here. Adam comes and gives this like amazing message, calls us out to step out and do things. And you're like, yeah, Jesus, I will do anything you want me to do. I'm surrendered completely and totally to you. And then we leave here and God goes, oh yeah, like, but I got this thing that I want you to do, this person that I want you to talk to, this situation that I want you to step into, this place I want you to go. This is what I want you to give your life to. And you're like, whoa, 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 Wait a minute. Kind of like Peter, we're like, Peter asked to get out on the water. Jesus didn't call him to come out of the water. He's like asked to be a part of what Jesus was doing. And we often do that. We ask to be a part of what God's doing. But then when the thing happens, it's like, man, there's a lot of fear involved, a lot of unknown. But God is using those things not to deter us from doing it, but setting us up so that our faith can grow in him, that we'd be able to see him do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. When we were in the Solomon Islands, uh, Melly and I, we spent uh, about three months there l- with a team and we were traveling around to different islands and we were in villages and things like that. And this one day, we got on this boat and this boat was like, supposed to only be like a two-hour trip. And we're like, okay, cool, so we'll just bring like bottles of water, we'll be all set. We were on that boat for over 24 hours. Like, they have no sense of time in the Solomon Islands. You will literally ask them, hey, how long is it? And they'll be like, and they won't have a watch on. They'll literally look at their hand with no watch and give you a time just because they know that's what we want to hear. We, we like, in the West, we like to like have times and things like that. So we were on that boat for 24 hours, and we began to become extremely dehydrated. And people on our team were starting to panic. Like, there's no water on the boat. You can't drink salt water because it'll make the situation worse. And so we we're like, all right, let's just pray. Like we we got nothing left to do besides pray. Like God has called us here. Let's just pray. I don't know what he's gonna do. He's gonna bring a boat with water. I don't know. Let's pray. So we prayed, and a couple people prayed out. And literally when we said amen, it began to pour rain. And we filled up our water bottles, every one of us, everything that we could find. And when all of the things were full, it stopped stopped raining like just miraculous opportunities for us to know and sense the goodness and the faithfulness of Jesus Christ in those situations where we were beginning to fear. We turned to Jesus and he grew our faith. And those those moments that we choose to do that, he just deposits things in our hearts that is not just for them. I mean, that was years ago, like almost 20 years ago that's still affecting my faith and calling me to a place of knowing Jesus in a deeper way. Like, our perspective of our situations will always be off when we look at Jesus through the storms and the waves. Like, we must keep our hearts and our minds firmly fixed on Jesus, the object of our faith. Now, like, fast forward to like a few years ago, and I was walking through this situation in my life where it's was just like, gripped with fear about a certain situation like every morning maybe some of you had that like every morning you wake up and that's the first thing you think about like you go to sleep at night and it's the last thing you think about before you go to sleep and it's just like pummeling me this fear just all the time about this situation and as I was praying about it, as those days and weeks were going on, I felt like God gave me this picture, and the picture was like of like a litmus test. I don't know if any of you guys like in science, you'll use a litmus test. When you're testing pool water, you use this litmus test, and you dip it into water, and it tells you what, you know, what chlorine or whatever's in the pool and all that stuff. It tells you what, you know, is made up in that water. And the picture that I had was this litmus test, but it wasn't being dipped into a pool. It was actually being dipped into my heart. And when it was coming out, it was, it was showing the things that I was actually putting my trust in. Like, that, that's what happens, actually. We can use fear in a good way. Fear actually shows us where we're lacking in trust. So while sometimes I like beat myself up because I have fear and maybe some of you are like bummed out all the time because you're like oh this situation is fear actually we can use it for good because it is a way in which we can see areas in our lives that we're not trusting God completely and he can deal with those things in our hearts so, I often don't pray that fear would just go away. I pray that God would go deeper and Jesus would go deeper and heal that deep thing in my heart, that that fear would be completely and totally dealt with, not just put off to the side. Jesus is wanting to replace those, those deep fears in our heart with deep faith in Him. Like, do you, do you guys know the most commonly used phrase more than any other phrase in all of Scripture? Fear not. That is the most common. uh, Ramson Parsons writes this, The most repeated command in Scripture is fear not. It appears 365 times, one for each day of the year, and is usually followed by, for I am with you. God would have us understand that factoring in his presence always changes the equation. This should tell us something about the world that we live in, but this should also tell us about the life that God is calling us to live, a life that reminds ourselves not to fear because Jesus is with us. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he is with me. Like in a world that we live in right now, and I know that you bump shoulders with people at school all the time and in your neighborhoods, fear is rampant. And God is calling us to live countercultural. And part of that is having a high view of who God is in our lives and fearing Him more than we fear the things in this world. Martin Luther King Jr. said this The God whom we worship is not a weak and incompetent God. He is able to beat back gigantic waves of opposition and to bring low, huge mountains of evil. The ringing testimony of the Christian faith is that God is able. Combating fear is setting our view completely and totally on a present God who is willing and able and exceedingly, to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can imagine. Our faith is not just an idea. Our faith is not just a, a feeling. Our faith is in the person of Jesus. So what happens to Peter later in his life? Because he completely changes Like just a few weeks after he denies Jesus in Acts chapter 2, I'd encourage you to go read the story. You don't have time to do it now. He gets up in front of 5,000 people and declares the gospel of Jesus Christ without fear. Like there is a massive change that goes on in Peter's heart. Peter goes from seeing life through the lenses of fear and now through the lenses of faith. But how does that happen? Like, like, how did that transpire? Like, it's a nice saying, Jeremy, like, yeah, just, you know, change the lenses of faith or lenses of fear for lenses of faith. Like, that's a cute saying. But how does it actually happen? And I think it's the same for Peter as it is for us. Number one, he saw Jesus raised from the dead. Like, for them, belief in Jesus wasn't just like a theoretical Jesus. It wasn't just the idea of Jesus, but a great reality of a perfect spotless lamb who died once and for all and is now alive. Like, this is what our faith hinges on, that there's an empty tomb, that Jesus is no longer there, and Jesus is very much alive. And part of us combating fear is putting the gospel and what Jesus has done and his aliveness at the very center and us making totally much of him. The other thing is that they were, they were filled with the Spirit. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out and the world. the world is then entered into this age of the church when the Holy Spirit is now and is still today readily available to us. And when the Spirit is poured out, poured out what happens? We get boldness in faith. He just desp- deposits that in our hearts. And that's not just like a one-shot deal. Like the Holy Spirit wants to continually be filling us when we're by ourselves, when we're with each other. Like, I know there's been, like, profound times that I'm just driving in my car, worshiping by myself, and experience the presence of God like I'm with a ton of people. And there are other times that I'm in worship service like that, and just feel and know the presence of God and know his nearness and his realness. Combating fear is making ourselves fully available to the presence of God and asking him to enter into those situations of fear that he can replace it with faith, he can replace it with the presence of his spirit. And that we can live in boldness of new life. The third thing is that he worshipped with his friends. That, that when the spirit came down, it said that they were praying and worshipping together. Like God at times supernaturally pours out faith in our hearts. And for me, 90% of the time when that has happened to me, I'm praying or worshipping with friends. Like, this community stuff is not just, like, acute value that gets people to come to youth. We need it, and it's part of what God does. He, he loves pouring his spirit out with a group of people and with a community of people and those people that are worshiping together. And so sometimes when we come in here to worship, you're not going to feel like worshiping. You're going to feel like you're full of fear you're full of anxiety, you don't want to do that, but actually we have to move in the opposite spirit and I'm going to come and just worship with my friends, believing the goodness and the truth of God and that he's going to replace those fears with faith. So I want to land with this. I think that there's a few people in in the room that I want to talk to that I feel like God wants to share some things with, and then I'm going to ask Adam to kind of show us how to respond. I think there's some of us here today that have, have, like Peter, asked God to call you out on the waters, and there is fear that is keeping you back from doing that, that you've asked God to do things in your heart, you've asked God to do things in your life, called you to certain people or friends or family members. And you can't get past the wind and the waves and the cir- circumstance and the situations that are going on, and you're not stepping out and fully walking into things that God had for you. The second thing is there's some of us that are missing out on the experience of life in Jesus because fear paints your environment. Like, you, you can't even get out of the boat because you're so afraid of all the things around you. You're not not asking God to call you out of the boat because you're so afraid of all these things that are going on around you. And God wants to break that fear that you might experience life in him and that others would experience life in him through you. And the last thing is that some of us might be experiencing fear in our hearts right now because we don't have peace, because we haven't yet crossed the line of faith and are following Jesus. Some of us are walking in fears Things about what happens when we die. Things like, what is this life all about? All these questions that are, that are pummeling our mind that we have fear about. And, and God is wanting to replace that with faith, but we have to cross the line of faith. We have to draw near to him, and he draws near to us. We have to repent and believe, and he'll enter our lives and replace that fear with faith and with peace. So I'll hand it over to Adam. Adam.
0: Worship team, yes, come on up. So I think it's important, um, here we are, it's, this is a interesting, Halloween is a whole season about fear in some degree, isn't it? <laughs> right? I mean, the whole goal of Halloween context is to be frightened in some way. Whether it's watching a scary movie, going to a haunted house, having the creepiest costume, whatever it is, right? In this season of fear, I want to make sure we're understanding what we're called to be. We're not called to be people of fear, but people of faith. And that maybe God is calling some of you out to step into something, to chat to a friend, to pray for someone, to live your life in a different way, and you're just scared. Or maybe you haven't even experienced Jesus because you're just so afraid to step out of the boat. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to step beyond that tonight. The worship team is going to play in just a moment. And like every week, you guys tend to come down front, and that's great. I want you to come down front and just worship and respond to Jesus. But don't even let just the standing here together and responding to Jesus, don't let that keep you from talking to someone. Don't let that keep you going to a leader in the room and saying, Hey, listen, I'm struggling with fear. I know God's called me out and God's asked me to do this or do that or engage this relationship or or talk to this person or God's asked me to break up with this person. I'm in a dating relationship and God's asked me to break up with this person. I don't need to be in the relationship. Or God's asked me to pray for this person. I'm just scared. Don't let fear stand in the way tonight. Let's let faith begin to build in our hearts. For those of you down here worshiping and singing, what you're telling me about just worshiping and singing is you're responding to Jesus and you're letting him stir faith in your heart. But I want to encourage you to worship on behalf of those friends you know are afraid. Because the reality is, I know in a room this large, you're going to come down, stand down front here, and there's going to be some of you standing out here worshiping, singing the song, but you're terrified. You're terrified to live like a believer in your school. You're terrified to even let people know you're a Christian at school. You're terrified. So you just go through the actions because it's safe here. And I get that. I want it to be safe. But maybe tonight God's calling for you a little bit more to take the next step. But maybe you're so afraid even taking the next step, you're just going to stand down here. I'm asking you to be brave and be bold and let faith, that Jesus put faith in your heart to step out tonight. Engage someone. Say, hey, listen, I need prayer. For those of you that are just standing down here worshiping, I want you to worship on behalf of those who are stuck in fear. We worship on their behalf. Jeremy mentioned at the very end, one of the big things that brings faith in our heart is when we worship together. When they were in the upper room and they were praying and worshiping together, that's when the Spirit came. Faith stirred in their hearts when they were together. And there's something about being together and just worshiping Jesus that builds faith into our hearts. So if you're standing in here and worshiping tonight, you're not engaging in prayer, I want you to be worshiping, engaging Jesus that faith may lift all of us collectively tonight. Go ahead and stand. Come on down front. Remember, if you need prayer, there's leaders all over this room. Find a leader and say, hey, listen, I need prayer. Tell them what you need prayer for. Maybe there's a student that you look up to in their faith, and you want them to pray with you. What I encourage you not to do is look at the one just on your right or left, and just you're my friend, so do it anyway. No, if you're going to get prayer, get prayer from someone you know is further in the journey of faith than you are. But don't leave this room tonight with fear in your hearts. Jesus, we ask that as we worship you, that, f- that, that faith would stir in our hearts, that your spirit would rest on us tonight, that fear would be broken in Jesus' name. Anxiety, depression, stress disorders, all those things would be broken in Jesus' name, that fear would no longer rule in our hearts, that just like Peter, we could go from being a person of fear to an incredible person of faith doing amazing things in your kingdom, being willing to be called out and do anything because you've put faith, a gift of faith, into our hearts. May faith rise up in this room tonight. In Jesus' name.